Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Don't worry about anything. Okay? Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So my message today is peace. Father, we just thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. Thank you that you came and you said, I give you my peace. It's, it's beyond our understanding. I just pray today as we just talk through this theme, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. You would, you would even bring peace in through the message. I believe, Lord, that Holy Spirit, you are just so keen to minister your life, peace, into us, even as we sit here, Lord. It's not always that we have to respond, but, Lord, you are willing to minister. I thank you that was even expressed in our worship, Lord, the sense that you were just there, ready to love on us, to pour out blessing on us, to provide for us because you love us because we're your children so lord we pray that you would be with us as we talk in jesus name amen shalom <laughs> you know it's interesting that you you start off on a i can't see a thing here i think my glasses are completely dirty um you start off on a on a theme like peace and you discover that the English word does not do justice to its meaning. A bit like love, where love is love, whereas in Greek there are three meanings, three words for love. Uh, and when you read the Bible and when you look at the meanings, it has a greater impact in the context that you're reading it. And so going through this where... We, in our English versions, we, sit, we read peace, and that has a certain, uh, we have a certain understanding of what peace is. But when you understand shalom, and then you read peace, it's just a different, it's a different message. It's, it's far richer, far greater, far, far more dynamic in what God is wanting to communicate to us. So... <clears throat> I wanted to do it because I think that that's what God is, is primarily in my heart wanting to communicate is that we can be serving God, but in our hearts, we're not in rest. We're not at peace. And that's important. That's vital before anything else. Um, <clears throat> John... 16.33, Jesus says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace, shalom, wholeness. 
In the world, you will have tribulation, suffering, affliction, troubles. These are all different interpretations of different Bible uh, uh, interpretations. Tribulation, suffering, affliction, troubles, distress, persecution. But take heart. I have overcome, defeated, conquered the world. That's John. That was in John. That was Jesus speaking. And he said, I give you peace because in the world there's going to be trouble. But don't worry. I have overcome the world. You know, and I look at our world now and I think we are in exactly the same place. When we look around, there are, are those elements where the world is just emanating trials, tribulations, sufferings, afflictions, troubles. And the, and the, the danger that, or the, the sad thing is that often a lot of Christians are taken up in the river of that trouble, tribulation, distress, anxiety, fears, doubts, and not realizing actually that Jesus has come and said, peace be to you. We can live in the peace of God amidst the trouble and the tribulation of the world. And I think that's vital. I think it's, it's, it's like we need to know that more now in, in our lifetime, in my lifetime. I need to know that more now than I've ever, ever needed to know because things are coming where we need to be as a people of God seated and rested in the shalom of God when everything, I'm, re, I'm going off note now, Matthew 24, it says that, you know, these signs will come and these are the beginnings of birth and there'll be earthquakes, famine, disease, pestilence, and this is just the beginning. And then you will be hated by all nations and then the end will come. So there's a sense where, as we go out and be God and be uh, Christ to the world, there is going to be moments of tribulation, maybe persecution. And they faced this. In, even in the early church, they faced that. When they went out and preached the gospel, that they were thrown in prison, they were beaten, they were persecuted. And, in fact, when Paul writes that at particular... Um, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. First inward, then outward. So more than peace, what is shalom? Often we say shalom is the absence of conflict or war. And I guess to a degree that's right. That's, that's a peace, but it's more than that. In fact, it says that it's, it's the presence of something greater to be full of well-being, wholeness, safety, and completeness. You know, Jesus, when he, he spoke uh, and he said, when he came out of resurrection and he, he came into the room where the disciples were, but the first thing he said was, Shalom Lechem, which is peace to you. It's It's a an expression that the Jews would have when they greet each other, they would say shalom. And when they leave, they say shalom. There's something deep. Well, I think when we try and say it, when we say to people, how are you? 
and they say, yeah, I'm, I'm good or I'm well. Um, often when we say, how are you? We don't really want them to tell us how they are really. Um, we just want to kind of move on. But the, the sense of uh, shalom, when, when, Joseph, uh, when Joseph's brothers came to meet him and he inquired of his father and he said, is my father well? The word there is shalom. Is he well? Is he whole? Is he, is he complete? And it has this really deep, rich meaning. It's, it's, it's like a, a stone that has no uh, damage in it. It's whole. It's complete. It's perfect. You know, Jesus says he keeps in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on him. There's a, there is a fullness and, and perfection and completeness around the shalom. And it's like a, another ex, uh, understanding of it. It's like a, a wall that is uh, full of bricks, but every brick is in its right place. It's a, it's a complete wall. There's no holes. There's no damage. It's, it's been put together well, and it is shalom. And it's like a city that's been built where you have to have all the walls and the doors and, the, and everything is in its right place and it's all good and it's shalom. And Jesus has come to be our shalom. But then I found this, and this is interesting, and, and uh, if we go to the... Oh, so just to just go back there, I want to speak those two. Um, it's to make complete or to restore. So when, when there is a shalom, it is a restoring of things that are broken, of things that are missing. So when we come and we're in our brokenness, shalom is actually a bringing back to its restoration. It's a healing. So when you, when you hear the word peace be to you, it's more than I hope everything's well. It, it's really healing, restoration, perfection of God's intent, um, fullness, wholeness. And that, to me, um, was within the word shalom. Then I discovered this, which was, which was fascinating. And I'll share this with you, that in the, in the um, earlier days, the, Hebrew, uh, the Hebrews used pictures for their words. So this, this word here, shalom, is made up of four images, four pictures, and each picture means something. Okay? Everyone with me? <laughs> um, and now obviously you read Hebrew from right to left. You don't read it from left to right. So the first character that's taken out is this, what is called shin, which means teeth, which means to destroy. That's the uh, element around that picture. The second uh, image is lamed, which is the shepherd's staff or a sign of authority. The third one is vav, which is a nail or hook, which is connected with. It's a connecting. And then the fourth one is mem, which talks of waters of being uh, chaos and confusion. And the, the, it, it says there's a, a sense of a prophetic, a prophetic under, intent in the word shalom. 
And that is, is that shalom only comes when the authority connected with chaos and confusion is destroyed. So we live in a world where there is chaos and confusion. The, there is trouble and strife. The, the prince of the power of the air is, is absolutely on intent on creating chaos and confusion and breaking things and destroying things and, and bringing things uh, to naught. But who came has come for true shalom, the Prince of Peace? It's actually on the cross that Jesus destroyed the work of the enemy. And through Christ, he is then restoring back shalom into our lives, into, the, into our world, and we become that shalom. With that in mind, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So let's read this in that mind where shalom is the mission of Jesus. Uh, Ephesians 2 We'll just cut in. For he himself is our shalom, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making shalom and might reconcile us to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Now, if I'm honest, I've never read that like that before, where the, the purpose of Jesus, his death on the cross, was to restore the relationship between God and man and man and man and man and the world. And we live as Christians in the shalom of God. I think that's amazing. Anyway. So how can you describe this shalom? This is, I read this again. I want to read it. I read it previously. I'm ready to read it again. It says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything, tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's shalom, which exceeds anything we can understand. His shalom will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, bearing in mind, this was written by the Apostle Paul, who was in prison. Uh, and as you know, prison in those days was not prison today. It was not a nice place. And his writing about shalom in the midst of a prison, you could go on and tell stories, even when they began to sing in the, in the, in, uh, the Philippi jail, and they just said, let's just, let's just worship the Lord. Why? Because everything's going well? No, because we're locked up. We're, we've got rats running around. We've probably been thrown slosh to eat because they didn't see us as Roman citizens, so we weren't treated very well. We're, what's happening inside, Paul? It's all right. There's shalom. The peace of God which passes all understanding is guarding my heart. So let's sing. Let's rejoice. So often as Christians, we're so brought down by our circumstances, and God wants to say, you know what? 
I am your shalom. I will restore. I will make new. I will bring about good in your life. There's a story, this guy here, maybe if you're over 60, you may have heard this before, but it's a guy called Horatio Stafford, and it says he was a, a, a successful attorney and a real estate investor who lost a fortune in the great Chicago fire of 1871. Around the same time, his beloved four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. Thinking of a vacation would do his family some good, he sent his wife and four daughters on a ship to England, planning to join them after he'd finished some pressing business at home. However, while crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship was involved in a terrible collision and sunk. More than 200 people lost their lives, including all four of Horatio Stafford's precious daughters. His wife, Anna, survived the tragedy. Upon arriving in England, she sent a telegram to her husband that began, saved alone, what shall I do? Horatio immediately set sail for England. At one point during his voyage, the captain of the ship, aware of the tragedy that had struck the Spafford family, summoned Horatio to tell him, about, uh, tell him that they were now passing over the spot where the shipwreck had occurred. As Horatio thought about his daughters, the word... <clears throat> the word of comfort and hope filled his heart and mind. He wrote them down and they became a well-beloved hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my soul, when sea sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul a peace, a shalom of God that passes understanding. How can you understand what was going on in Horatio's heart and mind when it's clear that he loved his family? It's, it's the presence of Jesus, the real presence of Jesus. It says this, the peace is given by the Prince of Peace. John 4, 14, 27 says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Isaiah 26 says this, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you, Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. You know, we talk about communion when we eat and drink Jesus. You cannot disconnect peace from the presence of Jesus in your life. It's not like a Jesus, could you just come or can you just bring peace to me? It's actually Jesus saying, I want to be your shalom i want to be with you because it's me and in fact it says it's the fruit of the spirit is love joy shalom the actual outworking of the spirit of god in your life brings a peace that passes understanding it's more than a feeling it's more than 
just having your circumstances in right. It's actually the very person presence of Jesus in you. Isn't that wonderful as Christians? We actually say, I live in the peace that Jesus brings to my life. I know I've been spending probably the last three months really focusing on peace, shalom. And one thing I've realized is that you have to protect it. It's so easy for you to lose it. You know, that it says in John 10.10 10, that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. It's, it, it's, it's the work of the enemy to bring us out of shalom. You know, he does that. He, he kind of gets in to our relationships, gets into our, uh, you know, creates arguments that we don't resolve. He, he tells us lies that we believe that bring us out of rest into unrest. He, he tries to convince us of things where we have to, it's all about us or we need to take control. You don't need Jesus. He brings circumstances or uses the circumstances of our lives. He begins to whisper lies to bring us out of rest. It says the devil is like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. And it's something, whether it's in work, whether it's relationships. What about church? Relationships in church. You know, people say things, we get offended, and we don't resolve the offense. We, we, we think we can carry on. You, you, you've come out of rest. You've come out of peace. Peace is so precious to keep. You have to protect it, have to be aware. You know, oh, there, there are times I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh, I can feel it. I'm coming out of peace. And, uh, and I'll tell you what I do. But I'm, I'm seeing now, I'm starting to get wound up. I'm starting to be judgmental. I'm starting to get proud. I'm starting to, to you know, all these things. And, and it's bringing me out of the peace, the shalom of God. And it's something that we need to protect. It's, it's something that more than protect, it's something that we must fight for. You know, for the church, for the kingdom, for Jesus. You know, I was listening, was listening to uh, Shane Willard today. He was talking about the uh the table uh when they used to eat before passover uh before the sabbath they would eat a meal and one of the intent of the meal was to invite those who you have had some conflict with and you invite them to the meal before the sabbath and you say we've got to leave our disagreement our argument our conflict we have to leave it here we have to forgive each other because we can't go into sabbath with conflict and he's liking that sometimes we go to church and we can sing and worship and we've got things in our hearts against other people. And he said, you know, leave, leave your gift at the altar and can't be reconciled or tabled, which was his whole idea of the, uh, the feast before the Sabbath and get it sorted, then come back and 
give your gift and offering to the Lord. You know, how often as in, perhaps in our modern Christian thinking, there's, there's, we're not trained in, you know, actually when I take communion, am I, can add a, am I at complete rest with everybody? Now I know there's, th- there's re- the reality. Sometimes you can't resolve everything. You know, there's people that I've had in my life that, that were offended and I tried and I tried and I tried to make reconciliation and they would not want it. And there you have to say, Lord, I've tried. I can't change another person. But it's not so much the other person, it's me. It's my heart. Can I love the Lord with a shalom in my heart? So it needs to be protected. It needs to be maintained or pursued. And, you know, it's interesting. I I've read this book. It's called Work in the Angles, The Shape of Pastoral Integrity. It's a very challenging book. Um, it's um, I had to do it as a book review for, for college. And he was talking about how do I maintain my shalom, my, my peace, my, my rest. And it says, doesn't it, that, that he brings to perfect peace all those whose hearts and minds are stayed on him. There's a sense of as I look to him, as I put my eyes and fix my eyes on Jesus, as I am attentive to him, he keeps me in perfect peace. And, and this was talking about um, a, a Sabbath, and really not so much a Sabbath, but the way the Jews understood the day. And I think one of my, as I've shared it before, one of my, my challenges is, is control. Uh, I like to control things and have the outcomes that I want to have. And um, I've been learning or, or God has been teaching me that one control is just a, a deception. You can't have control of anything anyway. Um, so give up. Um, but, but I used to be, this is my confession. I didn't used to pray and read every day. Um, sorry, Jason. <laughs> You know, um, but I came to this. I was reading that, and it's talking about the the Jewish the Jewish day. So in Genesis, it says the evening and the morning were the first day. So in in uh, Hebrew thinking, a day starts at sunset and goes through to the following sunset. You know, and the and the interesting thing in this, I won't read it out, but the interesting thing in this was it was. Um, that the first part of the day, you sleep. You you go to bed. (laughs) And then you wake up, and the day is already underway. And it was saying that when we sleep, God is at work. So he's working, and we're sleeping. And then when we wake up in our uh, control or in our Western mindset, we think, right, let's start the day. You know, what am I going to do for God today? And actually, God has already been working. And so really what we should be doing is not getting up and saying, right, start the day. It's actually, right, Lord, what have you done? And what do you need me to be involved in? And it's a, to me, it was like a completely different 
way of thinking. And it releases this sense of uh, the control that I have over my life. You know, so often we, we control even the people we love. We want, we want them to be reconciled. So we take on the burden and the stress of resolving things. And yet God is working even while we're sleeping. And so we can, even when we go to bed, be able to say, Lord, I leave that with you. I leave that with you, that this work situation, I leave that. This thing going on in my uh, family, I leave that to you. And believing that God is working. And when you wake up, it's saying, Lord, what have, what have you done? What do you need me to do to continue or to, to align or fit in with what you are doing because you love me and you're answering my prayers? So the, the whole position changes from me, control, and so now we've got into a habit of, and habit, good habit, of just getting up and spending time listening to the word of God and praying. And I, I'm now convicted that I can't start the day without listening to the word because for me, it's saying, God, you're in control. That's what it's saying. And this week has been flat out for me, busy, busy work, ACC conference, helping Chris while he's up there having a nice time with his family. You know, um, everything, getting everything, and I was busy, and I was tempted two or, two or three times this week to say, oh, just better get up, get, it, get on the computer, do the job, do that. And I was like, I can't do it. I've got to go and spend time with God and say, God, I surrender. I surrender. Where's my notes? Gone anywhere. I surrender to you. And we learned that this week. It was a really great conference, if, if, there are, if they are coming out, was this posture of humility. So I recognize that unless God moves, unless God works, and unless I align myself with what God wants me to do, there's no point doing it. You know, and, and it's this posture of humility. It says, let God be God. And we can rest in it, you know. And, and I think that's a challenge. It's a challenge for me is sometimes, oh, Lord, this and oh, Lord, that. And then you've got to say, no, I'll, I just leave it with you, Lord. I know, God, you are for me. You're working on my behalf. Everything you do is good, is, is the best for me. And I'm happy whether it, that's successful or not successful. It doesn't matter whether I'm in prison or on a mountaintop looking at a, it doesn't matter because I know that your shalom is with me and in me and in that I can rest and I can actually take my foot off the gas and I can come to that point of just being still and knowing that God is God. The final thing is this, that it's called the, the gospel of peace. It's interesting, isn't it? The gospel of shalom. It's the gospel of restoration. It's the gospel of taking what was broken and bringing it to a wholeness. It's the gospel of taking um, things that are, the enemy has destroyed and, and bringing them to wholeness. And Jesus, taught, uh, Jesus sends his, I put it there, the shoes of the gospel of peace. 
So not only does God come and bring shalom to us, but he's saying to us, we have to take shalom out. We have to, as we go about our lives, we bring the shalom of God. We bring the gospel of peace. We bring the restoration. And we've said this a lot. In that Luke 10, towards the end, it talks about who is my neighbor. But before that, it says the harvest is great. And the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Uh, now go. And then it says, whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's shalom be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Whenever you enter a house, say shalom. And the secret of shalom is there. Your shalom will find rest with him. And if it isn't, it will return to you, a different version. I thought that was amazing, isn't it? We carry the shalom of God. You know, it, when we think about the situations that we're in, that the kingdom of God is about restoration, is about bringing things back into alignment with God. And he's actually saying to you and I, as you go, you take shalom with you. Your very person, your very presence brings shalom. So I want, hopefully that has encouraged you. Um, so I want to pray a prayer. Maybe, John, if you could come up. I'm just mindful of Mel's message or Mel's encouragement. You know, if there is someone who is just in pain or there's anxiety or there's confusion or there's fear or there's worry or there's... I know now that God wants to bring shalom to you, to me. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.